Coming up on Nurse Talk, it's time to party. Finally, Palcohol is here. Blue Shield of California loses exemption from state taxes. What would you do with $300 billion? Death with dignity. And what song makes you think of a nurse? All this and more on Nurse Talk. should have done this. Of course they're right. Of course I ate all those cookies. I ate every one of those cookies. Shane, it's a disaster. Shane, your mic is hot. Oh, sorry, sorry. Welcome to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs along with Shane Mason, and we're two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. And hello to all of you out there listening to Nurse Talk on Progressive Voices TuneIn, Indiana Talks, and all of our broadcast partners. Shane, good to see you. What's been happening in your life? Uh, Took a week off. Took a little vacation. Nice. Yeah. Did you, you went up to Clear Lake? Mount no, Shasta. Shasta. How yep. was it? It was beautiful. We played golf. They said there's supposed to be four feet of snow here, but there's no snow. <laughs> <laughs> so you can play golf for free. Lovely. Yeah, it was fun. So uh, Casey, on to some shameless promotion. Our producer tells me we have redecorated our website and we'd love to invite our listeners to check us out at nursetalksite.com. And while you're there, take our poll. And that poll question is one of Casey's favorite topics. Should nurses and other healthcare workers be fired for refusing to have a flu shot? And your answer will be yes, no, or in my case, hell no. So check it out, nursetalksite.com. Shane, today we have a great show. We're sharing one of our favorite topics from a past interview, a conversation with Tony Broadus, California Campaign Director for Compassion and Choices about Death and Dignity. Please stay tuned with us to listen. And what would you do with $300 billion? Minnesota Congressman Keith Ellison reintroduces H.R. 1464, a bill to establish a small tax on certain Wall Street transactions to raise hundreds of billions of dollars every year to reinvest in American families and communities and curb casino-style high-frequency trading. And Shane, we talked about the Robinhood tax frequently, and it's backed by 172 national organizations representing millions of Americans. The bill Ellison is introducing is called the Inclusive Prosperity Tax, RN Katie Romer will be with us later to talk about this. And we have to have a little fun, so later in the show we'll answer some email questions and play a little game called Songs That Remind You of Your Nurse. (laughs) But now, Casey, it's time for Nurse Talk News and Views, so take it away. Blue Shield of California loses exemption from state taxes. California tax authorities have stripped Blue Shield of California, the state's third largest insurer, of its tax-exempt status in California and ordered the firm to file returns dating back to 2013, potentially costing the company tens of millions of dollars. At issue in the unusual case is whether the company is doing anything different from its for-profit competitors to warrant its tax break. As a nonprofit company, Blue Shield is expected to work for public good in exchange for the exemption from state taxes. So Michael Johnson, the former policy director of Blue Shield of California, says we're talking about a $10 billion public asset, and the only real return the public getting is $35 million in charitable contributions each year. That's just a lousy deal, and it's time to cash in that asset. Absolutely. Mr. Johnson resigned from the post last week after raising concerns internally that the company was not doing enough for the public good. This week, he went public with his concerns, faulting the insurer in particular for what he considers paltry annual contributions to its foundation. Your view, Shane. This guy's a hero. Good job, buddy. This is great. Very good job. I'm very sad that he has to step down. And the only other thing I can say is Apple should be doing the same thing. So next up, states seek to ban powdered alcohol before it even hits the stores. <laughs> it's called Palcohol. 
baby and everybody under 18 wants it. But states across the country, both liberal and conservative, are finding common ground in stopping a powdered alcohol product before it gets started. Yes, the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau granted approval of this in April, but the Bureau declared less than two weeks later that it had issued the approval in error. What a shock. Yeah, state lawmakers cited public health concerns in their preemptive bans, saying they fear the product would increase alcohol abuse, particularly amongst teenagers. The product, developed by Arizona-based Lipsmark, dissolves in water. One serving, which fills about a third of a standard glass tumbler, is equivalent to a single shot of alcohol. So what's your view? Um, this is a hard one for me because I'm not a drinker, and so I don't really care much about it. <laughs> people are going to snort that. You know this, don't you? Are like, they going to snort that? Yeah, well, if they're stupid they enough to snort it, because it'll burn the hell out of their nostrils. <laughs> That's too much. Next up, male-female pay disparities abound in healthcare professions. Oh, I didn't want to have to be the one to tell you, Shane, but women represent one of three physicians and surgeons, but they earn only 69 cents for every dollar their male colleague earns. Male physicians made 202 on average in 2013, while female doctors had a median income of only 140,000, according to new national data. Your view, Shane? Well, this is why I'm going to vote for Hillary, because we can get her for cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I mean, obviously, if people are doing the same job, they should make the same amount of money. They absolutely should. And it's reprehensible that in the field of medicine, women get paid less because we all know we're better than men to begin with. Right. Moving on, <laughs> there were only two healthcare jobs in which women's earnings were at least 97% of men's. And these were massage therapists and dietitians and nutritionists. The report was issued by the U.S. Census Bureau. So I'll yield to you on that one. Okay. I say, yay. That's great. It's about time. <laughs> but then, you know, that means that if the ship goes down, there's no women and children first. <laughs> That's okay by me. We're all equal. <laughs> That's okay by me. The children can go first. <laughs> what do nuns on the bus, health advocacy groups, religious groups, consumer groups, housing activists, environmentalists, small business owners, and nurses have in common? Stay tuned and you'll find out. We will not be an easy target. We will never roll over and let pain plan our day or let an ache tell us what we can and cannot do. We will not linger on the sofa, ask somebody else to bring us the mail or take the parking space closest to the door. But what we will do is take action. We will plan ahead. We will protect our bodies and fight back by moving. Lace up our sneakers and grab our tennis rackets. We will bowl. We will do our morning laps and bike ride through Saturday afternoon. We will walk our dogs around the block. We will pass up the elevator and proudly take the stairs. Because arthritis can't beat us if we beat it first. In the fight against arthritis, you need a weapon. What's yours? To learn more, visit us at fightarthritispain.org. This message brought to you by the Arthritis Foundation and the Ad Council. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org.
Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. My name is Meera Batra, and this is How I Live United. Many families have come to America for a better life. I advocate for these families with United Way. United Way empowers them to see opportunities available. We help them get involved with their kids' schools and network within the community. My name is Meera Batra. I help families see opportunity and succeed. I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with my co-host Shane Mason, and we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. So, Casey, we've been talking about the Robin Hood tax for several years now, and finally we're seeing greater momentum for this idea in the U.S. Already more than 40 countries that have developed a financial transaction tax. Last year, Minnesota Congressman Keith Ellison introduced H.R. 1464, or the Inclusive Prosperity Act, which represents the goals and principles of the Robin Hood tax, with backing from 172 national organizations representing millions of members of labor unions, religious groups, health advocates, consumer groups, housing activists, and more. It's a simple formula. A small tax of 0.5 on Wall Street transactions would generate hundreds of billions of dollars each year in the U.S. alone. The revenue raised would be enough to protect American schools, housing, local governments, and hospitals, to pay for life-saving AIDS medicines, to support people in communities around the world, and to deal with the climate changes we're facing. Here with us to talk about this is our in Katie Romer. Katie, welcome to Nurse Talk. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Sure. So we've been talking about the Robin Hood tax for a long time. Why are the nurses in over 170 other groups in this country fighting for the transaction tax, now better known as H.R. 1464, the Inclusive Prosperity Act? Because we need revenue in order to be able to do a lot of the things that um, we believe are necessary to have a just society. And um, you, as you already mentioned, you know, this would raise a lot of money. Um, it would also force Wall Street to pay their fair share. Um, yes, and which, try to even uh, the playing field. Exactly. Yeah. They caused a lot of the problems that we're facing right now. That's right, and we're out of balance. So, Katie, how does the transaction tax work? And, of course, we all know how, who it would help. Yeah, so this is, you know, a fairly simple bill, actually, that sets a small sales tax of 0.5%, which ends up being just about 50 cents on every $100 of stock trades, and then it, it sets some smaller amounts on things like transactions, bonds, derivatives, and other financial speculation. And it, it's really, it's pretty simple to implement because it hits right at the point of the transaction, which is these computer-generated um, transactions that they do. A lot of other countries are already doing it. In fact, we already did it in the United States. We had it one here until 1966. Mm-hmm. So, Katie, where did the idea in the name the Robin Hood tax from? We've heard it called that as well. So what's the the process, the thought process behind that name? Well, Robin Hood, of course, um, uh, stole from the rich and gave to the poor. Um, And actually, though, uh, in this case, it's um, not stealing because this tax would actually just be asking Wall Street to pay their fair share um, of taxes, which they do not currently do. Um, um, and contribute to the economy in the way that all of the rest of us already do. When we pay taxes, and we pay much higher taxes than than um, this bill is asking for, um, we are contributing to the common good. And we think that Wall Street, especially with all of the damage that they've done to our economy, um, deserves um, 
uh, should do the very same thing. Boy, that's so for sure. So it's I, the I, same. I'm taxed at 33%, um, and I would love it if they were too. So if, yes. we, if we get this passed, where does that – where would the money go? Would the Treasury Department keep that money and dole it out? Do we know? So there are recommendations for how the money gets spent um, in the bill itself. Um, and so, you know, it's basically recommended that this money go toward – um, things like, you know, jobs, infrastructure, easing student debt, protecting our environment, ending AIDS, all of the things that have kind of fallen by the wayside in our um, society over, the, over, you know, in years past, and especially following the 2008 um, recession, um, this money would um, be geared toward creating, you know, all of the, putting those things back and easing um, a lot of the burden on middle class and um, and poorer people that so desperately need it. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those are recommendations that are contained in the bill itself. And Great. so this is a very small tax. So would this affect your ordinary investors like you or I or someone that's buying mutual funds, someone like that? Well, it shouldn't. I mean, in that it is really at the point of transaction, um, it what it does is... Y- really is focused on this um, churning that happens in the financial markets. So um, it should, anybody that makes $75,000 or under would be exempted from paying, um, right. and they get a refund of any tax that they would pay, so they wouldn't have to. So it, it keeps them from um, being impacted. And really, it's, uh, again, geared toward that that the transactions that occur on a really quick basis and the average like pension funds for example which you hear a lot of concern about like would this impact people's pensions those things tend to turn over very slowly and most small investors also um, they don't do this rapid trading they go in they they are in the stock market for the long term they do trades infrequently and so this very small tax would have a very minimal impact on the the individual investor it's really geared toward the wall street investors who are doing a lot of transactions um and that's why you get you know this money because they're doing so many transactions that um this very small amount of tax generates a lot of income Yes, Katie. So I'm just wondering, um, if this were to be passed, won't Wall Street figure out a way to pass that tax back on to us? Is there, well, again, there's... just because it's geared right at that point of the transaction, I mean, part of what happened in, um, you know, the recession of 2008 that, you know, Wall Street was so involved in is that we, we have this kind of what's called churn in the financial system. And so it's really trying to refocus how we do um, investing because when you have these rapid transactions, it focuses investing on very short-term returns. So if you're um, having um, really rapid turnover and rapid sales, it it is short-term returns, whereas what we really want to create a kind of real value is long-term um, so it's refocusing the tax, uh, the stock market onto kind of the reality-based investment so that, you know, it's not impacting food prices and gas pet prices with speculation. And that's what's kind of happened um, without any sort of it, – it has a secondary benefit. Not only does it create a lot of income, this $300 billion a year, 
but it also then pulls back Wall Street from this short-term investment and focuses the investment on longer-term, real-value kinds of investment, which is really important for our economy and benefits regular investors um, like you and I. Yeah, and I, I have to say that high-frequency trades, those are the ones that are so deadly for us. They happen in seconds and yeah. uh, go untaxed, and that's where a lot of hijinks is happening uh, with Wall Street. So I'm glad that the exactly. bill is looking at something that would uh, protect us from that. And God knows we need this to even out the playing field. I mean, I, I can't imagine why people would be opposed. So I can kind of guess, but why aren't we hearing more about this? Well, we're starting to hear a lot more about it. There's a lot more um, kind of interest in this. You know, as people in, you know, in Europe, the, the European Union just passed um, a tax that's supposed to go into um, effect as of January um, 1st, 2016. There are already 40 other countries internationally that have this. In the United States, there's tremendous support for the Robin Hood tax, also called a financial transaction tax, from, you know, well-known economists. Um, so there's starting to be a lot more um, support and interest. Um, and, of course, that's kind of what we're trying to do, is get a lot of more interest generated um, in the Robin Hood tax. So it's, it's starting to change. You're right, there hasn't been a lot of um, interest up until now, but that is starting to move in a new direction. Yeah, and speaking of that Thankfully. interest, yeah, you're, next week you're having a, a day of action, which is next week. What's going to happen? Who's going to be there? And how can people find out about it? Um, yes, we are having a day of action on April 8th. And what we're going to be doing is holding vigils all across the country um, at congressional offices. um, And we're demanding that Congress pass the Robin Hood tax um, so that we can have all of the benefits that we just talked about. Um, So all states all across the country, California, Florida, Maine, Massachusetts, Georgia, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Nevada, New York, Ohio, Texas, all of these different states are going to be sending people to these congressional offices. And people can learn more about that at www.robinhoodtax.org. And it's forward slash April dash eighth dash day dash action. And if you just go to the www.robinhoodtax.org, you'll be able to navigate through and find that if you don't have the rest of it. That's great. Um, And I I hope a lot of people turn out for that. It's important. But how can people find out more about uh, the Ellison H.R. 1464 bill? And what can they do to support it besides going out on April 8th? Well, um, we're going to we're also in the midst of doing um, a challenge to people so that they can get the word out there a little bit more. So many people now are using um, social media um, to get their news and information. And so we're trying to have everybody um, go to www.robinhoodtax.org um, and just follow the instructions to download. It. There's a, uh, a PDF on there. You can download very easily um, a sign that you can then fill out and take a picture of yourself. And you can share it on Facebook and Twitter. Um, the hashtag on Twitter is hash, um, RHT300B. The Twitter handle is at Robinhood Tax, and Facebook page is Robinhood Tax USA. And all of those are ways that we're just kind of raising the profile of this Robinhood Tax, trying to get people to understand what it is, that it really is a focused tax on Wall Street, that it will help all of us because it will do all the different things that we just talked about in terms of providing revenue to do the um, community and, you know, um, 
you know, building that we so lack right now. There's every time you try to propose anything new, you hear there's no revenue. Well, this is an answer. This is the ability to do something good, refocus our investment, make Wall Street pay its fair share, um, and also reduce the kind of dangerous investing that Wall Street has been engaged in um, and have that revenue that we need for our communities and, and, and people-focused um, issues. That's great. It sounds like a, a great bill. Uh, you guys are doing a good job with the day of action. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Um, I, You know, I think you guys covered most of it. I just um, want people to really get that, you know, we are trying to, you know, help create a more just world and that everybody can participate in this. That if you go to your congressional offices, if you contract your, contact your Congress people and, your, and your, um, um, your representatives and your senators and you tell them what it is that you want and what you want, they represent us. And so if we demand that they do the right thing and that they, you know, pass a Robin Hood tax so that we have revenues to, you know, focus on um, the the common good that all of us so need, uh, we can do this. And Katie, I really want to frame it as creating a better balance, because as we know from being nurses, homeostasis is a very important function in the body of keeping us in balance. And when we're out of balance, that's when disease occurs. And you can use that same analogy for the country. When we are out of balance, that's when disease can occur systemically in our culture and in our country. And this is what the Robin Hood tax is about, is creating a better balance for the country because uh, it's dangerous when we're out of balance. So, Katie, I want to thank you so much for your years of nursing, but in particularly for your years of activism, because in this world that we're in today, we need more of us. We need more activists, more people pushing for a better balance for all of us. So thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you, too. We've been talking with RN Katie Romer about the National Day of Action to support the Inclusive Prosperity Act. For more information, visit nnu.org or robinhoodtax.org. We'll be right back. Here at the GED Pep Talk Center, we've got a pep talk that can motivate you. Sometimes things don't always turn out the way you want them to. You can improve your future. Now get your game face on and take the first step towards a better life. Hurry up. Don't make me repeat myself. Whatever level of motivation you need, we've got a pep talk for you. Call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or visit yourged.org for your pep talk and for free classes in your area. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Gianna Garrell from Progressive Voices. Today, the angry roar of the conservative media machine dominates TV and radio, threatening to drown out and push out anyone who dares to discuss our progressive perspectives and ideals. But we can't let that happen. We have too many strong, smart, and important progressive voices who need to be heard. That's why here at PV, we're building a 21st century progressive media universe. One where all the best in progressive media can come together, rise above the static and the noise, and be heard by anyone, anywhere. And we need your help. We're in the middle of a critical campaign to make our dream of 21st century progressive media universe a reality. 
but we can't do it without grassroots support from people like you. Head over to ProgressiveVoices.com to see how you can help. Please support this important progressive mission, because with your help, we can make sure all our progressive voices are heard. Hey, Casey, what time is it? Time to stay out of trouble. We We are are nurses. nurses. We We cannot prescribe, prescribe, diagnose, or treat, but but we we can can give good advice. Does that include fashion advice? Nah, stick to what you're good at. You should talk. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason. So death with dignity and aid in dying are not assisted suicide. And as the public and policymakers discuss end-of-life options, it's critical to describe accurately the medical option of terminally ill people self-administering prescribed medication to shorten a dying process they find unbearable. Aid in dying is the most neutral term to describe what advocates call death with dignity and opponents call assisted suicide. It's wrong to equate suicide, which about 30,000 Americans suffering from mental illness tragically resort to each year, with the death with dignity option utilized by only 160 terminally ill but mentally competent patients in Oregon and Washington last year. Here with us to talk about death with dignity is Tony Brodus. Tony is the California Campaign Director for Compassion and Choices, the leading nonprofit organization committed to helping everyone have the best possible death. Tony, welcome to Nurse Talk, and thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me on Nurse Talk. I'm happy to be here. So first, tell us a little bit about Compassion and Choices, Tony. Compassion and Choices is a national organization that works in states across the country Uh, to support people around end-of-life choices. So we do a lot of work on uh, helping people prepare advanced directives, helping people understand how to refuse unwanted medical care, and, of course, our work around death with dignity, which is trying to make sure that folks who are dying, who have terminal illnesses, have the option of medical aid in dying, if it makes sense for them, typically if they're facing a really difficult and painful death, um, uh, they have the oper- they have the option to to choose to have more control over the time and manner of their death. So that's a that's a key issue for compassion and choices. But again, we work on all sorts of end of life issues. Yeah. So talk about the distinction between death with dignity and assisted suicide, and why it's so important to know the difference. That's a great question. Um, a lot of folks think of uh, uh, death with dignity as assisted suicide, but we see it very differently. Suicide is typically someone who is healthy and um, has and is expected to live, who, who takes their own life. And um, aid, aid, medical aid in dying or death with dignity is a medical option that should be available to folks who are already dying. So folks for whom death with dignity is an option are terminally ill, mentally competent adults who talk with their doctor and request medication to help help them have some control over the time and manner of their death. So in other words, folks who use death with dignity or medical aid in dying are all are terminally ill and they are going to die from their disease. They, most of them don't want to die. 
but uh, that's that's not an option for them. So the options they have at the end of life are really about how they die, which is a very different scenario from someone who chooses to end a healthy life. I, I hear the difference. It's a it's an important distinction. So, Tony, why do you think everybody is so afraid of this, or most people are so afraid of this? Well, I think there are several things. People, death is something we don't like to talk about in our uh uh, most Americans just don't like to talk about dying, like to think that I'll worry about that, you know, when I hit my 90s and and I don't, uh, you know, I want to focus on living. I don't want to think about dying. So I think just the conversation about death, number one, is very difficult. And then most folks um, feel it's really important when you, when you are diagnosed with a, uh, a disease that could be terminal, most folks really want to fight that. And and want to um, live as long as they can um, and have have a good quality of life. So I think there's a sense that death with dignity, for some people there's a sense that death with dignity is giving up. I would say for folks who choose death with dignity, it's not about giving up. It's about accepting the fact that you are going to die. And um, at some point, there's not anything you can do to keep that from happening, but you can do something um, to make it uh, make it a more comfortable and less painful death and easier not only on yourself but also your family. So I think it's just hard. Losing people we love is very hard. We don't want to let them go, and so that makes it more difficult to accept that um, they might that a person who's dying might want to make that decision to go sooner rather than suffer longer. And how many states have adopted laws that legalize aid in dying, and do you think more are going to follow? I hope so. I definitely think that we're going to see an increase in states who allow uh, the medical practice of aid in dying. Currently, there are five states where that's possible. We have Oregon and Washington. Oregon, of course, being the first um, that passed a law through the ballot 20 years ago, which went into effect 17 years ago. And we also have Washington State also passed through a ballot measure. Uh, Vermont is the only state where we have so far passed it through the legislature. So there is a leg- there is a statute that the legislator legislature passed for aid and dying. And we have two states where there are court decisions, Montana and New Mexico, um, a little bit different court decisions, but both saying that uh, people have the right to uh, to choose the medical practice of aid and dying so they can die with dignity. So five states total at the moment. And of course, we're working in several other states to try to change state policy and state laws uh, around the country. So very important. And of course, Vermont would be the, the one state that has it the most together, of course. So Tony, your organization, Compassion and Choices, po- points out that in order to change the perception, we're going to have to change our word choices when we speak about aid in dying, which doesn't sound as palatable as death with dignity. Can you speak about that? Well, our goal at Compassion and Choices is really to help people face the end of their lives with dignity and to die in a manner that they feel is dignified. And for for many people, um, so for example, palliative care is an option that it works for many people, but not all people. Um, And so I think um, talking about the issue is really, uh, because death is difficult, focusing on the dignity that people want at the end of life is really important and helps people understand what we're doing. Uh, we're, we're, we're not 
we're trying to make sure there are options of all kinds available for people who are dying. And death with dignity is just one of those. It's not for everyone, but it is an option that does allow people to keep their dignity at the end of life. Um, and that, and medical assistance is, is, is a way that they have that option and they have that, that choice. So I think it's really important to remember that dignity is, is the goal here. Um, I so agree with you, Tony. And the point I just, in my profession, I, of course, I'm a nurse and I happen to work in long-term care at, at this moment in time. And I don't see this option being given to people. That's my real upset about it. I see people who have terminal illnesses pretty much every day. And that option is not given to them. Death with dignity or even a conversation about palliative care. Pretty much our medical system seems to point people always in the direction of treatment, even when treatment is futile. And I still don't see yeah. today people giving, being given the choice. Okay, here's the efficacy of what we're proposing, treatment, and there's another option called death with dignity. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying, and this is why it's so important for us to change the law, because right now, doctors can be prosecuted if they, um, if they help people um, um, with with medication that could um, could advance the time of their death or give them some control over the manner and the time of their death. So doctors are not willing to talk about something that could land them in jail. And we have seen people, family members, for example, who try to help honor the wishes of the, of their dying loved one. We have seen them prosecuted uh, as well. So I think that's the that's probably the number one reason that's not an option that people are provided. But even beyond that, we have to work on laws that actually promote the conversation at the end of life. And that's what we're, we're looking to do a- across the country, because for some folks, just refusing medical treatment is not even an option that mm-hmm. they understand that they have. Mm-hmm. And for, for a lot of folks, they, um, um, you come to a point where we're no longer prolonging their lives, but instead we're prolonging their deaths mm-hmm. because they are actively dying. And Good that point. is that is something that we really promote more conversations um, for between patients and their and their doctors and family members. We think that it's very important for people to understand, especially before they get to that point, what their options are. And we have we have worked on laws in many states to. Um, to improve a patient's right to know at the end of life what their options are. Um, I would also point out that in Oregon, where we have seen a death with dignity law in effect for 17 years, it has worked exactly as intended. And even beyond that, in Oregon, we have seen an increase in use of other options at the end of life, such as palliative care, hospice, other options that are available for people because the death with dignity law um, made it possible for these conversations to happen between people and their doctors and their family members. And that is really an important thing. It's just that conversation is critical and it's not always happening. You're right. Okay. So walk us through this process then when someone calls you and says they're interested in their certain, your services, what happens next? Well, for, so we have, um, trained professionals, social workers, nurses, we have a medical director, um, so if, if a family member or a person who's dying calls our organization, 
they, they don't get sent to me. I'm the political person. I'm trying to change the law. They get sent to people who actually have training around these issues and have um, worked with people in a variety of states. So they do understand the law laws where people are, but they can talk to people about their specific situation and about their specific options depending on where they are. Um, for, for every state, people do have the right to voluntarily stop eating and drinking, and that is currently the only legal way in um, 45 states, uh, aside from the five that have death with dignity, um, to have some control over the time and manner of your death. So that's which, one option we can talk to everyone about. Again, which, which is really sad, Tony, that, that we have to go just to that place because that's a very hard place to, to be in, to withhold uh, food and water um, in order to, to have your wishes known. How do you think we can change the medical profession? Because to me, there, there is the public that, of course, we want to educate. But really, I'm in the medical profession, and it's painful to be in the medical profession around this issue. How can we change a uh, medical professional's attitude about this issue? Well, I think it's like many other issues. The people have to lead, and then uh, the, the doctors will follow. Um, we are seeing more and more doctors and nurses speak out on behalf of this option that we know patients want. So that's a really positive uh, development. We're seeing that in California in particular, and we're, we're creating um, a national coalition of Doctors for Dignity because we think until doctors in particular speak out, um, we, we have a medical profession that is somewhat um, entrenched and, and really focused on prolonging lives at all costs, and that's not what patients, and that's not what people actually want at the end of life. They want to have quality of life as long as they can. Um, and when it's time to go, they want to be able to go peacefully. So, Yeah, no, absolutely. That's perfect. So we, we've been talking with Tony Broadus. Tony's the California campaign director for Compassion and Choices, the leading nonprofit organization committed to helping everyone have the best death possible. To find out more about their work and services, visit, visit CompassionAndChoices.org. Uh, we really appreciate you being on. I think it's really important work. It's really great that we're starting to have this conversation in this country. And we thank like you, to Tony. We appreciate it. We'll be right back with health trivia and email questions. Don't go away. What's your favorite color? Tell us, please. Kids will spend 20 minutes listening color? to songs like this. What's your favorite color? What's your How about two minutes to brush their teeth? Brushing for two minutes now can save your child from severe tooth pain later. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. Two minutes, twice a day. They have the time. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ad Council. Hey, Billy. Want to go to the state fair? Yeah! Well, you can't. Huh? Well, you see, Billy, when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have done with it. But now your parents are becoming energy efficient. They could save hundreds of dollars a year and take you to the fair next year. I want to go now. Oh, I know you do. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Today, you ate Greek yogurt. You took the train. 
You wondered why people spend so much time reading celebrity blogs. You read a celebrity blog. You planned a workout. You skipped it. You did all the things that one normally does the day before a devastating earthquake shakes the community to the ground. You never know when the day before is the day before. Prepare for tomorrow at ready.gov today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ed Council. So, Casey, last week I was in Mount Shasta. It was gorgeous, giant, snow-covered mountain. There's green, lush valleys everywhere. I was hiking around in nature. I looked up at that mountain, and all I could think was that all materials related to health trivia are the sole responsibility of Nurse Talk LLC. They're not affiliated with any network or stream service airing our show. I just got to say, Shane, you've got to get away more. If this (laughs) this just keeps popping up, maybe you should see one of your... Uh, psych cohorts <laughs> for, a, for a little session or two. Ugh. All right, let's play some health trivia. Our health trivia question this week is, what causes hiccups? Well, everyone knows that. It's masturbation. <laughs> and then you go to hell. I think there'd be so much more hiccuping if that was true. So what? if you know the answer to this week's question <laughs> or are the first to look it up or email us, you'll win a $25 gift certificate to Starbucks. So you can email us at contest at nursetalksite.com or tweet us at hashtag NTContest. So our question last week was, what do your white blood cells do? Now, we established they do not slam dunk. That's it, because white men can't jump. The white blood cells, so they fight disease, kill bacteria, combat allergic reactions, destroy old and or damaged cells, kill invalid organisms, and they're attracted to the immune system. And what I like is, you know, white blood cells. I hate that because, of course, they're doing good things in your body and we equate white white with right and black with wrong, which is not right. But the reason they got called white blood cells is because they are actually buff in color. They're a thin, typical white layer of nucleated cells between the sedimented red blood cells and the blood plasma. The scientific term is leukocyte, which directly reflects its description. So that's kind of interesting and a good thing. Now, hiccuping, that's a whole other story. Yeah. So we, so we did, did have, have a winner. Yeah. Yeah. Who was it? Judy Campbell, listening on Radio Monterey. Thank you. It's beautiful down there in Monterey. It is. A little bit chilly, but beautiful. And pretty white. <laughs> That's true. It's very white. Tons of white blood cells running around down there and very few black blood cells running around. It's very true. Very true, or I should say people of color. Hey, what do you think about the whole Starbucks campaign? Did you see that? I heard something about it. So what? Starbucks put on their cups, you know how they put little things on their cups to have us all think and they're socially aware and socially right. conscious. So they put on their cup, which apparently they didn't think quite through. Let's talk about race. And <laughs> it just kind of blew up. People got really angry and upset, suggesting that baristas couldn't have a conversation about race. And uh, let's have you know a conversation about race together. Now, I have to say, this spurred huge controversy, but it got people talking about the issue. Yeah. Which is important. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people who were diatribing on this were framing it as a black-white issue. Now, race is a lot more than white and black kids. There's a lot of variation out there. And I think it's a, a dynamite conversation for us to have in our country right now. 
I do think it's interesting, though, that who can afford $5 cups of coffee? Yes. And in a lot of parts of town, it ain't the people of color. Uh, so I it's think that true. was part of the criticism. And I, I but love at the when... same time, if if that is, then that's your target audience, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Because no, that's a good point. who we really need to to get off it are white people and acknowledge that racism is still alive and well in this country. Yes, I love it when the corporate things backfire though, and someone says yes. something out, and then they're yes. just like, and then they're like pulling back as fast as they can. <laughs> well, it was just like earlier we were talking about that that they had to pull back in two weeks after suggesting it. It had to be yank it right back, baby. We just made a major. They should mistake. put out cups that say, "Let's not talk about race," <laughs> <laughs> or just "We're going to shut up now." <laughs> Here, have your coffee. Uh, so we do have an email question. Uh, I'll start with it. It says, Dear nurses, I love your show and I have a question. I grew up in a large family with seven kids. One set of twins, and my dad used to joke that the rest of us, who were all different ages, were quintuplets, but my mom was such a control freak that she let us come out when she was damn good and ready. Which is amazing (laughs) how this came up, Shane, because I come from a family of seven with a set of twins. Very fascinating. So (laughs) the long and short of this were the pretend quintuplets were all diagnosed with heart murmurs and the real twins were not. So we're all adults now and have never had any problems due to the murmurs, but this looks like it's hereditary. Either that or my mom put a hex on us. And by the way, she had one of those too. Yours in (laughs) laughter and health is from Tammy J listening in again, Radio Monterey. So, Well, I can tell you that uh, I have a heart murmur as do a lot of my brothers and sisters. And what's interesting is some people can hear it, some clinicians hear it, and others do not. Um, And for me, it's completely benign. Uh, It can be. I do believe there is a hereditary component to it. Um, But it can be indicative of other uh, heart anomalies, so it's something that should be checked out. If, If someone hears a murmur, then they should definitely check it out and make sure that your heart is healthy. Yeah, and a lot of times, too, this manifests like anxiety. People feel like they're having some sort of chronic anxiety, but it's really that they're getting these palpitations or a murmur. They're getting uh, their blood's not oxygenating like it should for just a moment, and that can cause you to get a little uh, they, uh, stiff. And so sometimes that's how they're diagnosed as well. Right, and it produces a different. So you're, you're, uh, when you listen with a stethoscope, your heartbeat sounds kind of like a lub-dub sound. And when you have a murmur, it's a little bit more swooshy on that last part. It's not so clearly the dub, but lub Something along those oh, is lines. That again? <laughs> lub schlub. <laughs> yeah, it did sound a little bit, a little bit like Robert Durst, and maybe he has a murmur. That would be really helpful. <laughs> that'll, that'll be his his dream team's defense this time. Yes, he had a murmur, and it was in that split second that he committed the murder. So, what do you think about that guy? You know, fascinating. I remember seeing this this uh, case shown back when he killed the guy in Texas dressed as as a woman and he admitted it. He admitted chopping the body up. Uh, he had such a fantastic dream team of lawyers that the jury ended up feeling sorry for him. It was incredible. I was agog, as were most people, when he got off. But it really does show a bigger problem in our country, which is our our justice system. If you have a lot of money, you can get off. You know, even when you're guilty, absolutely yeah. guilty. 
So I'm glad that he's uh, – and I think it's fascinating that this guy is such a narcissist that he was the one who went to HBO and wanted a documentary done of his life. He was the one who sought out these guys to do the documentary. And when they were getting close to unraveling the whole thing, that last interview they did, they were really nervous. The filmmakers were really nervous about it. And he kept putting them off, putting them off, putting them off. And they were thinking, oh, my gosh, he must be – you know, he must be aware of it. Right. And then he came in at the sperm of the moment. He calls him and says, hey, I want to come in for this and did and then ended up outing himself. It was incredible. Well, what was he thinking? That's like a 14 year old boy inviting his mom to look under his bed. Exactly. Just, correct. Exactly. It. Correct. <laughs> and that's what uh, he ended up saying in the bathroom. <laughs> I can't believe I did this. What did I do this for? And of course, he knew all the time. Obviously, this guy has so wanted to get caught. The real question will be, will we come up with a mental illness? Will he be able to come up with some sort of mental illness defense like the guy did in Texas? The kid well, did that uh, influenza. Influ- right. uh, it wasn't influenza, but it was like that. I would say if you end up dressed like a woman in Texas, then you have some serious <laughs> issues with judgment. Serious issues with judgment. In this case, though, it tended to get him off. Shane, now it's time to play Songs That Remind You of a Nurse, a new catchy little game <laughs> we right. came up with. So who do we have on the line? Caller? Oh, Taylor. Taylor Durant. <laughs> Thank you very much, Taylor. I'm so glad that you're going to play with us. So we're going to play you four different songs, and at the end you're going to tell us which one reminds you of a nurse. Okay. <laughs> have you had, I'm, I'm sure that you have had experience with nurses, have you? Oh, once or twice. I bet. I bet. All right, here we go. <laughs> That's what you want, baby. I got it. All I'm asking is for a little respect. Doing all for the money. All for the money. Oh, yeah. If you ever know that you're my all right, Taylor. Okay, Taylor. Do you need some time on this one, or do you have an answer? Well, can I hear that second one again? You sure can. What you want, baby, I got it. All I'm asking is for a little respect. Just a little bit, baby. That's great. All right, Taylor. Do you need to hear any other ones? I definitely have to say that one. Number ah, two. Number two. Respect. Good well, thank answer. you very much for playing. You get I your love pain it. Meds. We. That's right. You get the round needle when you need your pain medication <laughs> next, Taylor. Thanks for hey, playing. Wait, wait, that's not a good price. <laughs> <laughs> what did you have in mind, Taylor? A uh, little respect and some drugs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You see me after the show, and I got both for you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> very good. Thank Thanks you so for much. playing. Thank you. Bye. I think we have another caller on the line. What's your name, caller? Uh, I'm Rob. Rob, hey, are Rob. you wanting to play songs that remind you of a nurse? I got some nurse stories, but sure. <laughs> I bet you do. So uh, what do you think, Rob? One of these songs make you think about your nurse interactions? Well, you know, I had a great nurse in my dermatology office, and I'd would have to. i have to go with Donna Summer. Yeah, She works hard for her money, yeah. Nice. All right. We like that, Rob. She works hard for her money. Thank you so much for I think playing. That, that tells us more about the condition of your skin than the nurse, actually. <laughs> ah, she has to work so hard. I'd love to show you my skin sometime. <laughs> I bet you would, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. We enjoy. Thanks okay. for thanks for playing. 
All right, so we're going to be sending Rob the official Nurse Talk loofah for participating, so we appreciate that. So who's our next caller? Victoria. Victoria. Nice of you to play. Uh, have I, you interacted with a nurse over the course of your... Yes. Very good. Yes. Excellent. Victoria, which one is it? Well, to be honest with you, I was not sure what the first one was. Okay, okay so let's play three... the first... We'll, okay. we'll play the first one again. All right. Bitch is back. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, no, I would have to pick number four. Aww. Number four, Wind Beneath yes. My Wings. Yes. Excellent. Thank you so much you're for playing, sweetie, Victoria. Victoria. And you're this, very welcome. This means you're going to get the granddaddy prize. We're driving a Mercedes right up to your house right now. <laughs> <laughs> to drop off your Starbucks gift certificate. Yeah, to drop off the certificate for you. Thank okay. you so much for I'll playing, Victoria. Waiting. Thank you. Right, thank thank you. you. Call her. What's your name? My name is Sharon. All right, Sharon. What do you think? Oh, my gosh, they all remind me of a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Any one more than another? Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I think the, the working hard for the money yeah. um, is is probably probably comes to uh, – that. that's probably the top one. Woo! And I, um, I had a, a nurse – oh, my gosh, it's been probably 20-some years ago. And uh, every time she came into my room, she was just absolutely exhausted, just oh, could no. barely, barely function. Oh, no. And uh, every time, and, you know, and I, I was, I mean, I was having surgery for cancer, so I wasn't, wow. you know, too, too involved in, in how hard she was working. And, uh, you know, she finally, every time that she'd come in, she would just tell me, it's, you know, this job, oh, my God. And she's, I mean, she's standing there and talking to me for, you know, sometimes half an hour about how wow, hard how everything hard a job was. was. But she had 30 minutes to, to talk about that, how bad it was. Exactly, exactly. And uh, then finally I said to her, I said, well, how long have you been here and how long do you work? And she said, oh, she said, I'm a temp. She said, I usually put two to three hours a day in. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still choosing hard for your money. That's pretty 25 good. 25 years ago, and I still remember her. Right. Yeah. That's incredible. All I can say, Sharon, is you must be calling from a state that does not have the union so that she yes, would be supported we, no, in no her No unions here, yeah. No very unions. Very good, very good. Uh-huh. Well, thanks. Credit, we have credit unions. Does that count? <laughs> That's actually better. Way to go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for playing. I oh, so... you're welcome. My pleasure. Oh, my God. It was like I had four nurses in my head immediately. <laughs> very good. Uh, thank you, thank so you very much. All right. Thanks. All right. So who's our next caller? Sharon. <laughs> I recognize Sharon. that, Sharon. I do believe this is the... my mother. Way to go. All right, Mom. So leaving me out of the equation, because that would be another song, I'm sure. <laughs> Does one of those songs make you think about a nurse? Number three. Number three. Hard for her money. Way to go, Miss Mason. I agree with you 100%. And that's because I'm always calling my mom and bitching about work. And asking her for money. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, thanks for calling in. Uh, I I figured you were calling in just to, uh, I don't know, tell me to fold my underwear, clean my room or something. Yeah, do that too. (laughs) Very good. All right. Thank you for playing, Miss Mason. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And that was Songs That Remind You of a Nurse. Thanks for playing, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) On another note, Shane, uh, somebody sent me uh, what I thought was a very funny little story, and I'm going to try to recreate that for you. 
So three nurses died and went to heaven and appeared before St. Peter. And so St. Peter asks the first nurse to step forward and ask, so what did you do on earth? Why do you think you should get into heaven? So the first nurse says, well, I was a nurse in Africa, and I served the poor and underserved. I got as many doctors and nurses to work with these people to bring them love, compassion, and medical care. And Peter said, fantastic, you can come right in. So he says to the second nurse, and what did you do on earth, and why should you get into heaven? And she said, well, I worked in an inner city hospital in the Bronx, and I treated the underserved, and I especially enjoyed working with children with AIDS. And St. Peter said, great, uh, fantastic work, come on in. Says to the third nurse, so what did you do? She looked a little tentative, and she said, oh, well, I was a nurse at Marin General Hospital, and it was my job to decide whether somebody got in, was admitted or was put under observation. <laughs> and St. Peter said, okay, great, you can come in too. And she goes, phew, boy, I'm so glad for a minute there. I didn't think you were going to let me in. And he said, oh, no, you can come in, but you can only stay for three days. <laughs> <laughs> now, that was great. So somebody sent me that, and the only thing that I would say about that is it is not nurses who make the decision observation or fully admitted. That is a doctor. So I find it interesting that this person who was not a nurse came up with this joke because the perception always is if something's wrong in a hospital, it must be the nurse. Yeah. You know, we automatically ex assume that the person lower on the totem pole is the one who's responsible for making those decisions. And I can't say enough about how corporate America allows us and and points us in that direction. Well, and that's absurd because everyone knows if something goes wrong, it's the CNAs. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's the nursing assistants and the uh, environmental services folks. Those are the ones who are always creating mischief and mayhem in hospitals. That's right. Let's pin it on the lowest paid staff members. But it's a funny joke, but I, I just thought that that was interesting that it came up that it would be nurses. Yeah, it's a good one. So I understand that you uh, self-actualized last weekend. Is I that, certainly yeah, did. I went workshop? to a delightful weekend workshop that was about uh, living life as art, which was magnificent. And I just want to say a few things for our listeners. So we tend to think of the now as this thin little slice of time butted up against a huge past and a huge future when that none of that is true. It's all now. There is not a huge past or a huge future. And just that little piece can be so relaxing. The other thing that I found quite fascinating, I was asked the question before this weekend, is there a difference between looking and seeing? So after thinking about that and then uh, entering the course, when you're looking, you're taking your attention outside of yourself to the object that you're looking at versus seeing in which you're drawing the object into you. Uh, so it's just a subtle shift in perception that's quite remarkable. So the whole weekend was about going home. And and really, when you go home, uh, which is your um, sense of I am, with nothing else past that, just I am, it created a great uh, ability for me to breathe. The biggest thing that I got from this weekend, one of the biggest things, is that this is all taking care of itself out here. I tend to think of myself, especially as a nurse, as a big fixer. There's nothing to fix. It's all being taken care of, which is lovely. 
So we'd like to thank National Nurses United and California Nurses Association for their support. And a great big thank you to our executive producer, Patty Lockard, June Miller and Daria Karpova, our sound engineers today, Taylor Lockard, Social Networking and Progressive Voices Tune In, and all of our other wonderful broadcast partners. Thank you to our guests and our listeners. Remember to laugh, you gotta listen. To listen, you gotta tune in. We love you out there. Thanks for listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Brought to you by National Nurses United. Check us out on Facebook or go to our website at nursetalksite.com. For more information about National Nurses United and the California Nurses Association, visit nationalnursesunited.org. Until next week, remember, laughter is the best medicine.